Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. And sitting in for Tom this morning, Dick Gabriel here on the Leach Report. Uh, Tom had some things that he needed to take care of, and I will tell you this. He reached out to me several days ago about filling in this morning. If you think that he is home just slumped in a chair with a with a copy of the box score in his hand trying to figure out what's going on i could i could understand that i think all of us can understand that but no uh this this was this was in the works for a while but uh, we welcome you to the leech report in another edition of the show where we have to start off with another puzzling loss by the Wildcats, we're going to get right to our, uh, by the way, our guests today are Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws and uh, 247 Sports and Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Both of them, of course, cover this Kentucky team that, well, again, we'll get right into the Wildcat news of the day brought to you by Clark's Pump and Shop. Uh, I am not in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. I'm actually in my garage, so it's an honorary Clark's Pump and Shop studio, but man, Last night's loss was was so similar and yet different. The loss to Arkansas, eighty-one to eighty, as you know, Kentucky now five and thirteen, four and seven in the SEC. What was the same? It just it got away. They could not close the deal. They made turnovers at the worst time down the stretch. Although they didn't make that many turnovers, uh, there was a questionable foul call. I've seen photographs, still photos. It's hard to say with the video. But I've seen one still photo showed a clean block. The other showed the Arkansas player getting raked across the arm. So, you know, I, I think we're just also used to seeing in a situation like that when there is almost literally a scrum in the final seconds and the ball is up. It's not down on the floor. It's not in somebody's gut. Uh, they're all just scrambling for it. We're, we're all just used to seeing it that kind of action play out. And I'm not one of these guys who says that the officials should swallow the whistle because inevitably when a whistle blows in the last second, somebody says there's no way you can make that call at that point. Well, yeah, there is because if it's your guy with the ball and he's getting raked across the arm and and gives the ball up, well, then you're going to scream about that as well. But uh, as long as it's consistent, I'm okay with it, but it just didn't seem like it was worth the whistle at that point. But it happened. Uh, and here's the thing. Kentucky shouldn't have been in that position. And we can say that about a lot of the losses this year. But the, I guess the saddest thing, the most frustrating thing, <clears throat> is the wasted effort by the Wildcats when it comes to, and by that I mean, they were terrific offensively. <clears throat> this was the most points. That I think the uh, they've only scored more points one time this year. They hit shots. They hit huge shots. They hit clutch shots. They hit three-pointers. Uh, they did break down on defense. They they lost men, uh, Arkansas players who were on their way to the rim. They lost uh, the, the sharpshooting Moody for Arkansas more than once, if you listen to the game, as well as watched. Uh, Mike Pratt just could not get over the fact that Kentucky defenders were losing that kid. And you know that his name was probably the first one that John Calipari put up on the dry erase board. You can't let this guy shoot 
But that's been happening all year long. So, uh, But, as Calipari said, they fought to the end. And here's the thing. You know, they blow another lead. We've seen that. But we, what we have not seen is this team fight so hard to come back. They have come back a few times. <clears throat> but I thought this one in particular was, was really impressive. And they came all the way back and didn't come all the way back. They just they took the lead in the last 30 seconds. So, you know, but I think we're all tired of hearing, well, they're getting closer. Uh, because by now they should be well beyond getting close enough to win but not winning. And keep in mind now, and I think you already know this, remember when they were 3-0 and in the league? <clears throat> they came out of the, the non-conference portion of the schedule, struggling, uh, a puzzling situation, yet they got off to that great start in the SEC. And at one point, the team, the coaches, the fans, the media, we were all thinking, well, if they keep making this happen, they're not going to run the table, but they could win the conference and probably make it to the NCAA tournament, even without winning the SEC tournament. But, as we all know, that has gone sour, and now they've lost seven of eight. So they definitely need to win the SEC tournament if there is an SEC tournament. Uh, so keep your fingers crossed that the uh, COVID protocols remain in play and Kentucky can get into some form of postseason. Maybe by then the Cats will have figured it out. When we come back, Chris Fisher of the Cats Pauls will join us a little bit later on. Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. It is the Leach Report and a reminder that these stories can all be found. Links to the stories on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. It's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. And let us go to the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline and welcome in our first guest today. And that is Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws and Chris Fisher 247 on Twitter, if you will, 247 Sports. Uh, Chris, good morning. I hope you are uh, safe and warm somewhere in the midst of all this weather. I am, yeah. It seems like uh, it's been incremental here over the last uh, week or so with all the the snow and the ice so it looks like we got more coming on the way yeah it's kind of fitting for what's going on with this basketball team that you and i cover (laughs) and i will tell you the first team i ever covered 100 years ago was joe hall's 13 and 13 team and i was there when eddie sutton's last team cratered but i got to tell you this team that obviously uh, it looks like it's going to be doomed to a, a losing season this is the strangest of all. Those other ones were explainable. I mean, you know, Hall's team was undersized and undermanned, and uh, Sutton's team kind of collapsed emotionally under the strain of the NSA investigation. But this is obviously not what we expected from this team. But last night's game, I was just saying, Chris, was I think was unlike all the other losses. Did you see it that way? Exactly, yeah. I think on, in one sense it was, you know, Groundhog's Day all over again, close but no cigar. But, you know, and, and really what's the difference between 6 and 12 and 5 and 13? But last night was different in the sense that they did everything they needed to do to win. They They held up down the stretch. They played winning basketball. And 
to have the game ripped away on, you know, a, a cheapo with, you know, five seconds left really has to hurt. And it's, it's, it's been one of the first games this season after a loss where you really felt for this team. I mean, make no mistake about it. This team has not been good. They haven't lived up to expectations, but, um, they also haven't been able to catch a break. You know, both of those statements can be true. And if, Terrence Clark is out another four weeks, and, you know, likely we've probably seen him for the last time in a Kentucky uniform. This team will have gone an entire season without playing a single game at full strength. You're without Keon Brooks for the first nine games of the season, probably when you needed his experience the most. Um, and then you're without Terrence Clark, who, you know, by any measure is is one of the best players on the team uh for you know the last 20 games or whatever it is and you know much like bj boston you could you know maybe he would start coming into his own and this would look like a completely different team you know and i've seen every game this year like you and i have to be honest with you it's to the point where i don't even remember terrence clark's game for the most part i mean if you could remind our listeners what what do you believe he would have brought to this team that's missing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just like everybody else, he's not perfect, but this team is missing a dynamic playmaker at the guard position. John Calipari has even said publicly, we just don't have anyone that can go by their man one-on-one. And you look at John Calipari's team's at Kentucky over the last decade, that's that's what the entire offense has been predicated on over the last 10 years. Get the ball, go one-on-one, get by your man, and create a play for yourself or for someone else. And so to not have any player on the roster that can do that has obviously really hurt this team. And then when you have a team that has not shot the ball well, even if you get by your man one-on-one, the defenses are collapsing into those driving lanes and there's nowhere to go. And so it's just basically been gridlock for uh, this Kentucky offense this season. And I think that's where Terrence Clark could have really helped out. He's the one guy that can, you know, get a shoulder by his man and get in the lane and do something with the ball, finish it, you know, with him for himself or, or create something for someone else. And so, uh, he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination in the games that he did play, but um, y- you know, much like BJ Boston, you could see uh, how you know this season would you know would and could start to come together for him. You know, that might be the best description I've heard so far this year of Kentucky's offense gridlock. And you're right, and so unfortunate last night they're bombing away successfully from the three point line, and yet within the arc, their two point percentage was horrible. You know, and it's been the other way around all year. Just another element of frustration. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling to go fourteen of twenty-six from three and still not be able to win the game. But I, you know, I think they were something like fifteen of twenty-three from the free throw line. Which, yep. You know, those misses down the stretch really hurt and. Um, it's uh it's you know it's tough i mean there's not really one thing that you can point to game to game and say okay we're going to attack this way or you know we're going to do this to to get buckets there's just you know there, there's been no kind of consistency for kentucky on offense uh this season and you know coming in 
everyone knew this team was going to be one of John Calipari's tallest and longest teams he's had at Kentucky. Yep. The concern was the lack of physicality, and I think that's what you see um, with this team's inability to finish around the rim. I mean, uh, I don't recall a Kentucky team under John Calipari that that just that struggled this much. I mean, even when they get by their man and get to the rim and they have a straight line drive anytime they absorb any kind of contact and don't draw a foul which this team doesn't draw very many fouls um it's just really really tough for them to finish with the lack of strength and the lack of physicality more coming up with chris fisher dick gabriel and for tom leach on the leach report brought to you by wild eggs of lexington stay with us Get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats. Let's go back to the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline. We're chatting with Chris Fisher at 247 Sports and the Cats Paws. And Chris, the G, G League, the Ignite team from the G League is going to make its debut. And a lot of people believe that uh, that is going to be uh, a huge part of the recruiting future. It already is a big part. Uh, how will this affect John Calipari and his plans, in your opinion, and and I realize some of this hinges upon if and when the NBA changes its rule about one and done. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that you have to factor into the ever-changing landscape of recruiting. I mean, you don't have to look any further than this 2021 class. Kentucky's likely top target, Jaden Hardy, definitely has a keen eye on that, that G League professional path, and a lot of people feel like that's probably the most likely option for him. Kentucky and UCLA and Oregon still likely in the mix as, as well. But um, that's going to be a you know legitimate hurdle for Kentucky to clear, and it's going to be um, uh, an, an alternative option. I would say you're not. I don't think it's going to become. I guess a mainstream option. There will be a couple guys probably in every class that, that take that route, but it's not for everybody. There's, you know, there's definitely some top prospects out there that still appreciate the, uh, the college route. And, um, and, um, so, you know, it's going to bite into some of those, you know, top targets. If you look at, you know, Dacian Nix, Isaiah Todd, those guys, Jalen Green, all three of those guys that chose that path last year are guys that Kentucky recruited. And so I think it's something that they'll factor in and they'll keep their, their ear to the ground and, uh, you know, try to get a good feel for which way guys are leaning and if that's going to be a legitimate uh, option for them over time, the multimedia company, also announced kind of a, a semi-pro startup for high school prospects as well. And so we'll just kind of have to uh, monitor that and, and see where it goes. It's always interesting when coaches, Calipari among them, uh, know when to back away from top prospects. They, they know they're going to lose them to either another school or now it could be to the G League. But the other thing Calipari has to think about, I would imagine, Chris, is uh, who from this team might come back that he wasn't expecting? You know, how that might affect his recruiting patterns. Any feel for that? Yeah, and that's something, too, that, you know, Kentucky just kind of monitors as the season goes along. And I'm sure behind closed doors they have a pretty good idea. Oh, yeah. 
uh, as the end of the season approaches as to who's staying and, and who's going. And that's another thing that, you know, has really um, changed the landscape of college basketball is the transfer market. It's basically become a third recruiting cycle. You have guys that sign in the fall, you have guys that sign in the spring, and then you hold a couple of scholarships open and, and wait and, and see who hits the transfer market. And the transfer market's been good to, to Kentucky. I mean, with, you know, Reed Travis and, Nate Sestina and Olivier Saar and Davion Mintz. I mean, I think Davion Mintz might be the the most valuable player of this Kentucky team to this point. I'm not sure anybody would have thought that coming into right. into this season. And, and Davion Mintz is a guy that theoretically could return next season and give Kentucky a, a little bit of a boost in the backcourt. And so, um, I, I think with more guys maybe choosing that you know that G League path, I think you're going to see Kentucky continue to uh, to dip into the, the transfer market more and more. Well, and speaking, as you said, of transfers and, and next year's class is going to include, you mentioned a lack of physicality, and it looks like from what we've read and if you've seen pictures of the kid from West Virginia, it looks like they've potentially solved that problem. Yeah, Oscar Chibwe, the, the transfer from West Virginia, is, is really uh, what the doctor ordered for this Kentucky team. Um it's it's a it's unfortunate he's not be able to to play this season. Yes. But going against these guys in practice every day and really testing them from a physical standpoint is is going to pay dividends down the road. And um, he's a guy that you know ESPN ranked as the number one transfer in all of college basketball for next season. Um, a, a real physical force was second team All Big Twelve as a freshman at West Virginia, really uh, physically mature and just a bruiser around the basket and um, really has a lot of what uh, John Calipari is is looking for in a post player. He has a really high motor and uh, scores around the rim and, and rebounds at a, at a high level. So uh, he, along with Damian Collins, who's kind of the opposite, he's above the rim, he's blocking shots, he has a 7'5 wingspan, uh, just a crazy, crazy athlete. Uh, kind of the juxtaposition of of those two guys will will make for a very interesting dynamic in Kentucky's front court next season. Chris, always informative and entertaining. Thank you, sir. Stay warm and dry and safe, and we will talk to you down the line. All right, you bet. Thanks, kid. Have a good one. That's Chris Fisher of the Cat's Paws. You can read him at catspaws.com. dot com. Find him on Twitter at Chris Fisher two four seven. Coming up. Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. You're listening, brought to you by Wild Edge of Lexington, to the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. Leach Report comes to you courtesy of the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Let us go back to the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline and welcome our next guest from the Athletic. Kyle Tucker joins us this morning. Kyle, uh, I assume you are safe and, and dry and warm where you are in uh, Tennessee. Is that correct? Yeah, we're under the under a uh, little piece of the same uh, advisory as everybody else. I guess it's blasting all across uh, this area, but uh, so far we haven't had any ice. Well, that's good. We've got a little bit up here in Lexington. Uh, you, of course, have been covering the Wildcats for quite some time. You are covering a season like very few. I'll say it like no other in modern times. I was telling Chris Fisher, I covered Joe Hall's 13-13 and 13 team and Eddie Sutton's losing team. But this one 
it just after a while, Kyle, it just it defies description, doesn't it? I mean, last night's game was more the same in some regard, but totally different in another regard, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you say you know, it's easy to say kind of same same song, different verse with them, but last night was a little bit different because they were they were down twelve with six minutes to go. Yeah. And actually made a made a charge at the end. You know they made they made all the plays really until the last uh, couple, until that last sequence where you know there's the questionable foul call. Which again, you know, if if that is not called, then we're not even having this discussion probably. And then uh, I think probably the most unfortunate thing about last night for them was just how ugly the last play looked because it just like it, it's open season to. Uh, just go all in about what a horrible play design it was, and you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think what they wanted to do, and, and Cal didn't want to just outright say it. He did say B.J. Boston was open, uh, but then B.J. said that play was supposed to go to him. I think they just threw it to the wrong guy there. No, no guarantee anything good happens anyway. You've got a, it's, it's kind of a long shot trying to hit him in stride and get him up across the court and get a long shot in the air before the buzzer goes off. But it looked bad, and so it's like, you know, the uh, the losing prices might prices right trombone again <laughs> for them. Uh, you know, and, and it's just it gets to the point where you just you know not laugh as in sort of making fun of them, but you like you just laugh like, what are you going to do? <laughs> this is who they are. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. this is how the year has gone. If they if there's any way to lose, they're going to lose at the end. And um, this is another example. It's it's really weird to me. And it just kind of dawned on me last night that all of a sudden, and really an unthinkable thing, this is like people watching Kentucky basketball right now is like decades of the way they watched Kentucky football. Yep. Just expecting the worst. Um, you know, that's so Kentucky football has become, that's so Kentucky basketball, which is bizarro world, obviously. Um, hard, hard to fathom. Yeah, that is a great analogy because, again, having been around for a while, and, and, and you have too, and watching a football team that, you know, it's the cliche about snatching victory from the jaws, or the, the other way around, yeah, screwed up the cliche, but you know what I'm saying, uh, finding finding new ways to lose. Uh, and yet, yeah. uh, unlike the football team, you know, it, had those teams won some of those games back in the day, it would have been a pleasant surprise because they weren't that good. This team was supposed to be really good, and, and not to put everything on one kid, but when they got SAR, we all thought, well, that's the last piece of the puzzle, right? But it just hasn't yeah. meshed at all. Yeah, it hasn't meshed at all. I, you know, I, I think there's there's some obvious just roster construction issues. Um, I think you can certainly raise issue with, you know, is Cal using what he does have the right way? I think that's all fair to question. Sure. Um, and then there's then and then there are the things that you cannot control, uh, which are, have been no small problems either. Um, you know, we are in a pandemic. This is a team with uh, you know ten new guys, which was going to be a challenge in the first place. But when you don't have your usual preseason, when you don't have exi- you know two exhibitions plus five you know gimme games, five or six gimme games. I mean, that's seven, probably seven games against teams you know you can beat to work on some things and get your legs and get a feel for who you are before you dive headlong into all the the really tough games um then you know you the one guy we know we know now that keon brooks is one of their 
two or three best players. On right. a lot of nights, he looks like their best player. Uh, you know, your only guy back with experience. When he doesn't play the first ten or whatever games of the season, uh, that's huge. And then, you know, intersecting with that, towards the end of his hiatus, Terrence Clark goes out, and, and now it looks like he's not going to play again. Seth gave you seven games, a former top-ten recruit. Did he? Was he playing like a top-ten recruit when he got hurt? No. Were they already one and six? Yes. But um, down the stretch here, as they've figured some things out, the one thing they're still missing is a guy who can beat somebody off the bounce, and that would probably be Terrence Clark, and now he's gone. Um, and so it's just really a perfect storm of terrible <laughs> for them. And and now you know we're we're obviously now to the point where they're eight games below five hundred with less than that to play uh, that they are a hundred percent playing for Nashville trying to yeah. trying to get good enough where they think they can go on a run in Nashville. I, I don't think they can do it because it looks like they're going to have to win four or five games in a row. Sure, uh, I don't know that they can do that. Maybe if they could have gotten the top four seed somehow and, and won, they could win. I could see them winning three in a row. Um, but that's what they're playing for. At least I think. I give them credit, the whole team really credit for not laying down. They seem like they're still scratching and clawing, trying to win some games. Yeah, that's what gave you hope last night, Dad, and the three-pointers falling, but just one way or the other. I can't say they find a way to lose, but when you turn it over late, that's all a part of it, and uh, it, they, it, like you said, they just can't seem to catch a break. And now many Kentucky fans looking ahead to next year. Kyle has done that uh, in the uh, – air quotes pages of the athletic we'll talk about that when we come back uh you're listening to the leach report dick in for the voice of the wildcats the leach report served up by wild eggs of lexington stay with us This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Dick Aberlin for the voice of the Wildcats. We are chatting with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Find him at theathletic.com right here on the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline. Kyle, you uh, the other day had uh, quite an involved piece about who might be coming back next year uh, and the, the kind of... Uh, uh, supposition I think that a lot of fans probably are already dealing with right now anyway, looking ahead to what maybe happens in the following season, depending on, of course, Calipari's recruiting and decisions by some of these kids. Uh, could you share sort of the Reader's Digest version for some of our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, after that Tennessee loss, it, to me it was, you know, and, and probably, frankly, before then, but but I think we're officially in that territory now. It, it's all kind of looking towards next season because, you know, one thing I, I've, I've thought this whole year is is a lot of fans have clamored now for a while to have more guys come back to have more multi year players. Well, they got a roster full of them right now. I mean, they, <laughs> these are these are multi year players. The question yeah. is whether you can get them to be multi year players at Kentucky. Uh, can you get guys to not make bad? NBA decisions, can you get guys not to transfer out? And, and frankly, I think it's going to be hard in part because of what they've dealt with from some of the fans. Um, I mean, this is these guys have gotten the worst of Kentucky basketball this year. Mm-hmm. They've lost. They've gotten beat up, um, you know, in media and social media. Um, I think they're going to be battling just sort of negative feelings about the program from guys that are here right now. Um, and, and I think – and wrote that that these next couple months need to be 
completely focused on the staff recruiting their own players. They, they need to get a couple players. They need to get some difference makers for sure. Um, but they've got to recruit their own players. Uh, and, you know, Keon Brooks would be at the top of that list. Basically, I prioritized the guys that, uh, the seven guys I felt like have a chance to come back. In my right. mind, no matter what happens, I think Boston Clark and, and Jackson are gone. Obviously, Olivier Saar is going to be gone. I mean, he, he, he and Davion Mintz both had the opportunity to take another year because of the free year from the NCAA with the pandemic. Uh, I, I think Mintz, there's a good chance he will because he's in a two-year graduate program sure. and that is important to him. Uh, Sar, I, I don't think he will. I think he'll go pro. So you're working from a pool of about seven guys. I think Cam Fletcher's probably gone too just because of everything that's happened. Yeah. I, I don't see how that's a marriage that any either side probably wants to continue. Um, but that leaves some guys that if they would come back is a, is a solid nucleus. Um, you know, I think Keon's really high on that list. I think Davion, Davion would be a huge, uh, a huge guy to come back. I mean, a player be a six-year senior guy with, you know, approaching like 80, 90 plus, uh, college start. He's at times been their best player. He's probably been their most consistent guy all year. He hit what would have been the game winner last night. Um, he's a good college basketball player who the load has been too much on him this year. They, they've, they've leaned more on him than they, they need to. I don't think he's a guy that is going to carry your team, but if he's, you know, if he's your sixth man or he's your, you know, third or fourth option, that is a very quality option. I think Davion Mintz and Keon Brooks alone, if those two guys came back, um, would give them, really give them something to build on. I really like Lance Ware. Uh, I still believe Devin Askew because he's a guy who's never stopped kind of just going all out. It does, he's going the wrong direction a lot of times, but he's never stopped, uh, you know, attacking it. Uh, even if he's been kind of under attack, I think will, will ultimately be a pretty good college player. You know, I, I, I think there are some pieces there. Um, Dante Allen, you know, he's got a lot of right. things to work on. I think these last few weeks have demonstrated that. Um, who he is right now as a player is a little closer to the guy that was struggling to get on the court right. than the guy who came in and just went out of his mind in that first game for them and hit a bunch of shots. Um, but but we know he can shoot, and so if they can develop him some more, that's a nice piece. Um, they've got a lot of guys on this team that I feel like are, are really good complementary pieces that if they can get some an influx of talent and have that base of experience, this painful year uh, would be worth something. Um, you know, this is the kind of year you're probably going to have to have to reset your program a little yeah. bit to, to say, okay, well, this is a program where guys can stay and need to stay. Um, you're going to have to – the only way the way Kentucky was going, putting all these guys in the NBA, that you were going to have a bunch of guys come back is if a bunch of guys struggled and the team struggled, and they're having that. So now the key is to get them to come back. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too is uh, Calipari can sit in the living rooms – of high school seniors, and and if he chooses to point at the John Walls and the SGAs and people like that, but on the other hand, with his own play, I think it's a great point you make about re-recruiting your own players. You can also point to the kids who unfortunately made poor decisions and either spent a quick visit in the NBA or never got there, and say, now look, you know, you're talented and you'll get there someday, but you don't necessarily want to make that same mistake you know so uh, it, it's in kind of a backhanded way that's a plus isn't it yeah well there, there's that 
there's the there's the cautionary tales. But then I think I think too one thing that he's not done a good enough job of, um, you know, he's starting to now. But you got to highlight the success stories of the guys who came back and it and it was worth their yes. while. Yes, and they've got some really good ones. I mean, PJ Washington and Emmanuel quickly are incredible stories of guys who were smart enough to come back um, and get a little more uh, polish on their games and go not only be uh, higher draft picks, picks than anybody thought they were going to be. Nobody thought P.J. Washington was a lottery pick, right? Not not coming out of his freshman year, uh, and nobody thought nobody thought Emmanuel quickly was a first rounder even going into the night of the draft in most mm-hmm. cases. Um, but not only have they did they get drafted higher than anyone expected by coming back, they were in position to thrive right away. They had successful rookie seasons. I mean, Emmanuel Quickly is the talk of New York right now. P.J. Washington, uh, you know, was an all-rookie player. Um, I think those are the stories you tell right now in recruiting. Um, you know, they need to go get a superstar, and they need to be telling John Wall and Anthony Davis stories to that guy. But to everybody else, you know, they need to be looking at one or two of those type guys a year. And everybody else, it needs to be a story of, you know, this is also a place where two years is just as good as one. Yes. Uh, and you can go thrive in the NBA. Yeah, and then, you know, you've got the G League coming into the picture. You've got the NBA likely changing its status with regard to the one and done. So, uh yeah, they've got to stay on top of this. It's 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 not the push. Well, it's never been push button, but it's not, you know, the either or situation that it's been in past years for Calipari. And uh, well, these next few months are crucial for his program, Kyle. Are they not? Uh, yeah, I mean they're 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 at an obvious crossroads. Um, you know, and, and the one thing I would say is, and I think maybe one of the things that's that has been startling to a lot of people and and why you start to hear the sort of like ah oh, the game's passed him by stuff yeah. um is because he has for his entire career been an innovator yes um you know he's been a and you know pushing the envelope he's been doing things that before other people did it you know i, I was reading a, a story looking up some research for something else i'm writing and, and was reminded you know when he the dribble drive that people are kind of sick of now uh it, it was revolutionary at the time at Memphis, and he was kind of scuttling along a little bit in his early years at Memphis. He had a chance encounter uh, through a friend uh, who happened to be Riley Welch's dad, who was an assistant for the Memphis Grizzlies, um, with Vance Wahlberg, who was a junior college coach in, in California and had invented, as a high school coach, and invented this offense, which he, he called, like, it was a crazy acronym. It was like a attack, attack, skip, attack, uh, which got condensed down to the dribble drive. Um, you know, they had a dinner, and Cal said, okay, I like this. Nobody's doing this. I'm going to do it. And, and you know, even people like Larry Brown thought he was crazy listening <laughs> to a JUCO coach. And and he rode that to three Elite Eights in a national championship game yeah. appearance at Memphis, and, and that took off. Cal has been an innovator. And so now he's at a crossroads where the question is, can he do it one more time? You know, and then, you know, he got to Kentucky, and it was leaning into one and done before anybody else. And made Mike. Krzyzewski, who swore not to do that, do it because he had to. Um, Cal has done that more than one time now in his career, and it has kept him at the top. Now he's at a crossroads again, and can he he reinvent? Is there a third or fourth or whatever number it is, act in him where he can come up with something to give him an edge again and put 
himself and Kentucky back on top. I wouldn't count him out of that. I mean, the no. idea that like there's that he's just washed and it's over. Um, I think we're way premature on that. I, oh, yeah. I think Cal usually does his best work when he feels like he's got to kind of come out swinging. Fully agree with that, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading whatever it is that you come up with there. At theathletic.com, you can follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H on Twitter. And, of course, you hear him each week here on the Leach Report. Thank you, brother. Stay safe. Thank you. Have a good one. And when we come back, more U.K. news from the Leach Report brought to you by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Stay with us. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back. Final segment of the Leach Report brought to you by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Dick Gabriel for the voice of the Wildcats. And our thanks once again to our guests today, Chris Fisher and Kyle Tucker. A couple of other Kentucky headlines for you. The U.K. men's soccer team beats Xavier in overtime 2-1. to was the final there. The U.K. women's basketball team back in action tomorrow night, taking on Tennessee, looking for revenge. The Lady Vols really pounded the Wildcats down in Knoxville, so Kentucky with a chance for some comeuppance tomorrow night, and the game will take place in Rupp Arena, so there's a chance for even a bigger crowd and more noise, which the Wildcats will need. U.K. softball and baseball teams coming off their virtual media day yesterday with a softball team set to begin play against Samford on Friday, and then the U.K. men, the baseball team, I should say, uh, gets started next week, a week from Friday, down at North Carolina, which is not a top-ten team, which it was back in 2017 when the Wildcats lost a three-game set to the Tar Heels down in Chapel Hill, but then went on to win the NCAA Regional, the first and only uh, in the history of the program. So we might get an idea of what Nick Mingione has. And we already know Rachel Lawson's got a lot of people coming back from last year's talented team. That'll do it. Thanks for listening. Tom will be back tomorrow. Thanks to Shannon the Dude. Have a great day, everybody. That's it. So long from the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on 